I'm Christina Torres, and I'm on a mission to help baby big deal brands embrace their big deal energy, aka the vibes, verbal strategy, and customer experience that makes them unlike anyone else in the market. So many of my clients have that thing, that thing that draws people to them, but it feels kind of elusive and pretty hard to nail down. Add to that, they're wildly creative, crazy busy, and have a hard time fitting into traditional strategic marketing boxes. That's a recipe, my friends, for a whole mess of wildly talented people burning bright and then burning out. That's where I and this podcast comes in, helping brands like yours move out of the fake it till you make it and into the be it while you make it with a blend of systems, gorgeous customer experience, and bold, easy to design messaging advice from me and the occasional biz bestie. So best regards to burnout and half-baked messaging and say hello to big deal energy vibes, bank accounts, and boundaries. Let's go. All right, y'all, we're going to try to make this a quick one because Honoré is home <laughs> and he is very into pranking me and God forbid I get a moment of silence, but <laughs> welcome to Best Regards. I wanted to chat really quickly because we are right around the corner from back to school. It is conference and live event and all that fun stuff season. People are really, you know, like for the next 90 days, there are live events out the wazoo. So it may be a little too late to plan it in real life for this quarter. But if you were thinking about doing something for Q1 or Q2, then you'll want to listen to this episode because I'm hearing everywhere, especially as, well, we thought COVID was going to wrap down, didn't we? But apparently it is out here living its flagrant life and giving us the vid all over again. Hopefully none of you have it. Hopefully I don't. I just took a PCR test because I had a fun sinus infection. Let's keep our fingers crossed that we don't. But I wish all your families and business collaborators and employees and contractors are healthy and ready to go. Okay? Because it's back to school, back to work, and now is the time that people are either launching in regular live events or ready to plan them. And so I wanted to give you some pros and cons and what I'm seeing out in the field and maybe some thoughts that can really help you figure out how to plan for it, how to pay for it, and what you should really be paying special attention to, and maybe what's worked in the past that may not work now, what has worked and we should keep doing, all that fun stuff. First of all, like why would anyone in their right mind (laughs) want to plan an in-person event? Let's think about it. Because brunches and birthdays and like personal just like events and invites and all that fun stuff is hard enough, right? Now try to do it on scale. Now try to do it with some activation. Now try to do it with a goal in mind. Now think about getting butts in the seats, right? There is just so many things to consider. And we're coming out of this world where we were doing everything super virtual. There was virtual events. And I don't think we need to like trash those. But there was a time, and I feel like there still is a time, where we're trying to do both at the same time. And maybe we'll add that to the agenda. But why in anyone in their right mind would they think, oh, okay, I need to do this in person. We need to have an in-person event. There are a few reasons. 
despite all the work that goes into it and all the people you kind of need on your side to plan one. And they don't have to be as complicated as they sound. And you do want to plan as far in advance. But let's see, the reason why anyone would want to plan some of these events, sometimes it's just as easy as like, we really want to get all the people in a room to announce a launch of something, right? Like real Steve Jobs style, like this is what's coming out, y'all. And these can be internal or external. You may be thinking like, what's the ROI on doing this for my internal team or my consultants? Or what would be the ROI on doing this externally where I'm inviting people in my audience? What would be like the benefit there? Those are even in their own right two different reasons, like why you would want to have an in real life, in-person event. But there is a sense of community building that you can't quite sometimes really get over a long period of time online that you can really get in an in-person event. It is a really great way to either raise awareness for a product or a service or in our cases, like coaches and service providers, I don't know, maybe there's a new group program you're trying to get together. Maybe it's a perk or an incentive for someone wanting to join or invest in one of your high ticket items, right? I've gone to industry ones where it was part of the funnel to filling up their think tank, which is like a mastermind. And so the two or three day event or one day event was meant to mimic or meant to activate we'll talk about that too it was meant to activate the people who came to the event to like join it like if it's this good here and you're only paying for this little bit and they have access to all these people who are coming to speak there's another road to go down right and then imagine what it's like inside of this think tank right And some people are very happy to pay for it out of pocket because the return on investment is worth it. And sometimes maybe they just break even, but what they're looking for is awareness and activation of their audience and their partners and their sponsors. If they have them, talk about that too. That's maybe like one reason why someone would do it. Now, if you're thinking like, you know what, this isn't a free for all. This is made for the people who I work with closely the most. And I'm only charging them to really cover their cost. I'm going to front the bill for as much of the event. I just want really want to make this a perk to a high ticket offer that I got out here in these streets. And that's all well and dandy. And that may be really wanted and really needed. But some of the things I keep seeing coming up is like, and I'm in a mastermind now, and there was a thought like, I really love the idea of an in-person event, but I don't really love the money I'm spending. And you may think like, oh, I'm not a huge, and I'm not even going to say huge, I'm not a a medium-sized SaaS or startup or company that can go out and like find people to sponsor my event. Well, I want you to rethink that. And if you have, affiliate programs already, and you have people who you collaborate with, like, on the daily, 
or monthly or weekly or whatever, you know, not even the daily, but people that you're chummy with, people's stuff that you really like and love. I think what will be really helpful, and you know, we've been talking about systems in and a lot on our podcast here recently, just because that, that is the stage I'm in. Like, we have a lot of started and halfway built systems, but now we're really closing the loop. Now that we are really clear on like what offers we're going to be offering in this season of business and how we hope to expand them, something you can think about is as you're onboarding people, ask people, ask people what tools they use, what they would love to see in a live event, what they would absolutely not love to see in a live event. Think about all the emails you send. Think about all the tools you use all the time. Think about all the affiliate programs that you be affiliating for, right? You could easily come up, you know, ask as much kind of like psychographic-y and ask people interest because from the information your people are giving you as they come into your world, you can put together really dope like sponsored tier packages and be like, this is what my people are into. This is how much people are investing. Let's say you're looking to have someone who you affiliate for either be on a panel or come and teach or maybe just really sponsor it. You can say like these people really invest easily $40,000 a year in coaching, easily $100,000 a year in contractors, easily 10,000 a year in softwares and these particular softwares, right? Would you consider sponsoring us? And here are the different sponsorships, right? If you want to come in at this level, if you want to give us money, if you want to give us time, if you want to give us discounts to certain tools, if you have something that you're launching, if it makes sense, if it aligns, you could absolutely with the intake that you get from your group programs, from onboarding of your clients, even if you're someone like me who is always, you know, asking people's tech stacks when you go to work with them and you're seeing there's a trend, everybody's using Slack, everybody's using ClickUp, everybody's using Airtable, right? If you put that together and you're like, well, all my group does this and I know for a fact they're using it at this level, which means they're paying this much and they also do affiliate stuff, like, you could easily find a way if you came up with a gorgeous pitch deck about your event. You told a story about what your event is going to be like. And it doesn't have to be on a huge scale. Like you can say like, oh, no, no, you know what? These are for my private groups. It's typically about anywhere from 10 to 25 people. But these people each spend about four to five figures on these tools and these things. And I think it would be a great way to get you in front of them if you do something better and you're willing to give us this or that. And these are the tiers and this is what you can expect. These are what magazines do. Like if you go ahead, I want to know more about demographics and I want to do the cheat code. If you go to any magazine, any magazine that you read, any magazine you think your people read, like if your people read Travel and Leisure, if they read Cosmopolitan, if they read Vogue, if they read Entrepreneur, these people have media kits. And if you go to their media kit, these are the media kits that they give to people who are interested in advertising with them. And basically what they're showing is like for the amount of exposure that you want in our publications, these are who you're going to be reaching. And this is what we know is their buying power. And this is what we know that they invest 
and are engaged in. And it just is a perfect fit for your company and for us. So why don't you pay us some money to advertise and we give you the exposure, right, to our group. And we can make it, you know, it's affiliation, right? And it's a campaign instead of a launch, right? And that's like language I'm using now because the word launch gives me anxiety. And I also think of launching it as a totally different thing. It's thrown around in our world so much that I'm like, girl, you ain't launching something. It's already been launched. What you mean is a campaign, but let's move on. <laughs> anyway, of course, just had to, whew, sometimes vernaculars and uh, actual word definitions drive me crazy. But to that point, like you could go to those things and see how they package that and you can create that for your people. What would be an incentive to get people to either give you their money, their time, like fill your swag bags, sponsor a dinner, right? Like if you're going to do it privately, you can get these people to maybe even sponsor a dinner. It could be someone a little closer to you or not so close to you. You could say like, hey, would you even come down to this dinner to meet with people? It could be worth the ticket for a lot of people. Like someone might be really down to pay $10,000 to go to your really small, really intimate private event to meet with this one person. A, you can probably pay their fee, but B, if that person was like, just to be in the proximity of that expert, that person, that vibe, I'm willing to pay $10,000 for this ticket, right? That could be the thing that changes things. You don't know what's going to actually change somebody's mind to actually showing up for an industry event, but like you can have your event paid for if you thought about it from a sponsorship in a larger in real life event perspective. Like you don't necessarily have to have a huge 200, 300,000 person event to think about who and what companies could possibly sponsor or advertise or I don't know, give their time to a panel or an activation type activity or just sponsor one activity, right? Like if you broke down what you wanted in this event, here are the things we want. Here are the things we're going to do. This is a tier. You could literally sponsor just this one event, this one dinner. That's like $5,000 off your thing. And if you think about like what it costs to be Uber and you're going to engage your team, right? You can have your executive assistant plan this all the way. You can have your business manager plan this. You can hire event planners, right? You can do a little bit of all the things, but you have to get really detailed and particular about like what is going to be happening at this event. What's the vibe we want people to leave with? What is the goal of this event, right? So you start there. What do I want to happen after this event? How do I want people to leave feeling? What are the offers that we want to bring some attention to? You know, is this more focusy groupy? Like, are you trying to like really, I don't know, test out some in real life content? Is this just a thank you? Is this an incentive? Is this a perk? What are we trying to do with this in-person event? Like, what are we trying to do with this? I will say the second part is, and I think this is really sticky, and you have to be a little bit more intentional. There's a lot of things to think about, right? If you have a group of people who don't have the flexibility to travel as much, um, let's say maybe it's for family needs or this and that. Well, I'm not saying like that's a blocker, but I think being just this detail-oriented enough and making sure that you're thinking about what they would need to do this time out, right? Like 90 days before the event, six months before the event. Like if you're going to do this, make sure you're not just planning an event, taking people's money, and then just like not activating them. 
and getting them ready and giving them reminders. Like for me, most of my clients are women. Some of them are mothers. Some of them are caregivers in other capacities, right? If you're thinking that far out. That said, it doesn't make sense to not schedule something, a live event, when school is in session or when school is not in session, right? You can poll people. You can ask people. Like, you just don't want to throw an event just to throw an event. And, you know, the venue is already here, so people are just going to have to make it work. That's nice. But I've also been to events where people said they were going to do something and then they didn't do it. It wasn't in the city that they said it was going to be. And the whole reason I even signed up for even the whole program was because it was going to be in that city. Because I have a child with special needs. I have other caregiving responsibilities that reach out into my other parts of my family. And it was just really stressful to figure out how to get there. Are you a business owner with decision fatigue? Are you feeling all the feels of riding the roller coaster that is running your business? but you're the passenger, the operator, the designer. Oh, exhausting, right? I know. Listen, your experience in the world of marketing, clearly you've grown your business from a little baby business and idea to a pretty big deal brand and business. And you have an amazing roster of clients. Maybe you've even launched a digital course or a digital product or have some really dope packages and services. Marketing is no secret to you. My friend, you are a marketer, but wouldn't you love if you didn't have to make another decision? Maybe you've hired some folks, you have a dope virtual assistant, you have an amazing copywriter you tap into, and you even have someone who helps you with your social media management. And you thought you'd get more energy back, more time back. You thought you'd had it covered. But now you've just replaced doing with a whole lot of decision making. Actually only you are the one making decisions and you're exhausted i know i know what if you could just tap into the brain power and the genius of another person another experienced marketer and have that person turn your big ideas into dream products and positioning while getting a pulse on what success metrics to measure what to delegate and what to automate well you don't have to look further i can totally help with that introducing or should I say reintroducing C-Suite CMO. Inside C-Suite CMO, you'll have me guiding the marketing in your business. The goal is more leads, more sales, and less you. We'll make KPIs, aka key performance indicators, simple and easy to track, no crazy tech, no weird expensive tracking thingamajigger that you have no clue how to implement. We'll make delegating and managing your team and tech easy to do. You'll have access to my client community monthly, AKA your board of advisors. Something that many fractional CMOs miss the mark on. You don't know who they're working with and you have no clue if they'd be your type of peeps. Believe me, mine are. They're some of the smartest people I know. And monthly, you guys get to get together, share ideas, share what's working, be a little nosy, come on, about each other's businesses and what's working and what's totally not. Plus, you'll get to see their own launch metrics. We all get an opportunity to do trainings so that we and our teams can learn how to help more and do less. Wanna learn more? Well, head on over to runandtellthat.co slash fightclub-cmo because this is invitation only. Oh, I forgot to say that. Don't share this with just anyone, okay? Go ahead and apply. If you're interested in having someone help you with all your marketing decisions and all your marketing delegation, again, it's runandtellthat.co slash 
fightclub-cmo. We'll see you on the other side. To that point, if you can make sure that it's happening in an area where like getting to is really easy, right? You have to think about like, is this going to be an international type event where everyone can come? Is this going to be more of a locals event, right? It doesn't have to be so big, I guess is what I'm trying to say. If you really want to think about what the impact is, can we do little micro version events, right? Can we do little micro mini events? And that might even make it easier to get someone else to pay to sponsor it, right? Because you can use local places, you know, you can do more like a book tour type event in real life event and say, you know, for the next three months, I'm going to tour these places and the people are going to meet up here and I'm going to sell tickets like this instead of trying to get everyone to come to one place. What I was going to say before I just totally broke my own train of thought is like, I'm not a huge fan and there's a few people who do it well. I haven't seen that many, but if you're going to do it in an in-person event, then if you want to decide that there's a virtual event, you better come with more than just here's a Zoom link and hopefully you can hear what's happening and hopefully we come from break on time. Like that involves literally planning two events at once and there's so much technology. I would rather have you create the event and make it so that I can repurpose a lot of that content that's happening inside whether it's private or public or, you know, not public, but you know what I mean, like a little bigger, I would much rather you like record that or have, you know, videography and photography on hand to show me the vibes for next year, especially that's going to be really great for your sponsor packages and your media kits that you may want to create so you can get people to pay for it so you're not paying for it out of pocket. Because a really good event, like a really dope, classy, gorgeous event, like is a lot. It could be anywhere from a quarter million to two million to three million, depending on how many people are going to be there, what are the accommodations, the food, right? The activation, the activities, the goal, right? Like, what are we doing here, right? Like, what are we really doing? There's a lot of planning into it. And what I will say, like, you want to plan, if you can, a year in advance, <laughs> maybe even two, depending how big it is, how big these are. If you can lock a contract with someone, if you got that type of money, you got that type of budget, you're like, nah, I already have the media kit. What I've been noticing and I already have the experience is that I don't feel like we're planning far in advance enough. And if you feel like that, then that is probably the case. And so, especially if you're doing bigger events, right? So as soon as you end an event, you're typically planning the next event. Like as soon as it closes, you maybe you have a little retrospective, you have a little, like, let's look back. And then we see what worked, we didn't work, make sure people are documenting, making sure you have an in person event, in real life event, kind of standard operating procedure. So you can copy and paste what needs to happen when, at minimum, bare minimum. And then if you decide, okay, we've done that, we've done the bare minimum, here are the places I want to switch things up based on our last retrospective, based on our last look back, based on the feedback we got from attendees, based on the feedback we got from people who didn't sign up, did sign up, didn't show up, did show up, right? There's just so much. So you have to be really prepared. Um, and I don't want to scare you away from doing it. But what I do want you to think of is that like, the dough is in the details, okay? And so the more detail oriented you can be about your in-person event, the more intimate you can make it, no matter how big it is, right? 
making sure that there is accessibility to your event, right? There's not a bunch of stairs, that people fit in the chairs, that people can, if they need, you know, different access, that there is that type of access for people who need, you know, assistance to get in and out of the venue, making sure food is available, right? Making sure there's quiet spaces for people to decompress, but still like workshop and be together. Make sure that you're making it easy for people to connect with people that want to be connected with. Making sure you have, I think, a diverse amount of experiences and clout if you're going to have a panel, right? I've gone to a few and I have skipped a few events and I'm like, ah, it's the same six people they have, you know, come to our events. I don't want to go see that. I don't want to see the same six people. I also know that this conference, even though, yes, it's probably great for networking, it's usually in a city that's super far for me. And half of the people here are super introverted and don't even like networking anyway. So consider that, right? If that's the case, then maybe, like I said, as you're getting closer to this event, activate these people. It's not just I throw an event and nobody knows what's happening until a week before they show up to this event. Like, think about those little places where you can be like, hey, let's meet up here, meet up with people here, talk with people, maybe even do like a little networking workshop, what to do, how to prepare for the event, how to get the most out of this event, right? Sometimes we just throw events and, you know, just being there, but it can be very overwhelming if this is not something you do all the time or this is a new group, or like, you know, sometimes you outgrow your network groups. And so being really prepared for like, what am I going to do here? What should I have ready to focus on? What should I say when I'm at the mixers? What if people don't drink, right? We're moving less and less towards very boozy events and having more, I don't want to say wellness retreat, but just having different ways to activate people beyond happy hour or a cocktail hour or a party, right? We can still do parties, but like, are there things for people who don't necessarily? And that's why making sure like your audience, if you got a boozy audience, then go for the booze. But if you don't, if you find like, how would you know, right? There are going to be some outliers. And I'm not saying we have to accommodate every outlier, but as a person who comes from hospitality and corporate support, that matters a lot, right? The food needs to be on point. Is there snackies? Is there breaks in between? Are there different types of activities planned? Are there down days? Are there down minutes? Are there down hours, right? Where people could just like rest and reset and like live their best life. You know, just things like that. There's just so many things to consider. And there's ways you can get ahead of that. But like really great planning, really figuring out what the budget is. Think about the high, the low, making sure you have buffers for budget. Because there will be things, things go wrong, things come late, things you need to do the day of. So giving yourself a buffer, right? And planning to find that money if you need it. If you need to finance the event, you need to finance the event. But I think getting sponsors is really smart, no matter what size your event is. Just getting really detailed about the minutia here and not being afraid to go out of the box and getting as specific as you can about how you want it to feel and how you want it to look and how you want it to be experienced. And then not trying to cram as much as humanly possible in them. If you think about your coaching programs, if you think about your services, like less is more. This is kind of the same with the event. Even like if you think about really great food and really great cooking, like simple is hard. Being simple 
being good at the simple, being good at the things that are going to have the greatest amount of impact as opposed to like jamming people with a bunch of like, even down to the swag bags. Like, I don't even want a lot of junk. Like, I don't want your cups. I don't want your, <laughs> right? Just be even intentional about, about things like that. Like, make it make sense for your event. Make it make sense for your event. Make it make sense for them, right? Give people the opportunity to create swag of their own. I think a really great way to like get people to pay for swag is be like, hey, we have a company. If you want us to make swag for you, we can do that, right? If you have something, if you have freebies that you want to have us do, or you want to like, there's just so many cool ways that you can really activate your own audience and make them feel special and make them feel a part of it and give them the opportunity to get the most out of it, as opposed to like, how much money can you squeeze in and out of this event? How dope can I make it look for the gram? Which you should, right? But I think, you know, making it so that people are creating content even for you inside of these things, right? Being super intentional even about that could really help not only elevate the experience, but lower the price tag on your in-person event. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I just see it so much happening. And yes, I planned events and yes, it's a beast. And I planned everything from small, you know, small like family and group and team building gatherings to award shows at Cipriani's on Wall Street. And let me tell you, they're all just as stressful, right? But listen, if you're needing some help, you know where to go. I know it's not on there, but if you really wanted a workshop, something like this, if you wanted some recommendations, head on over to runandtellthat.co. Head on over to the work with me, fill out a form. We'll see what we can do. If you're like, oh, this is the type of stuff I've been meaning to plan. I just don't have the bandwidth and I don't know how to fit this into my brand. And this is among all the other marketing things that I really wanted to kind of get out into the world and really just off my plate and out my brain so I can go sell and I can just go show up and just get paid to exist. I got you. You already know. We are soft launching C-Suite CMO. It's really for our return clients and their referrals. But if you're listening to my podcast, you're my peoples. So you have that opportunity as well. And that can be definitely something that we work on inside of there. If you need copy for your live event, you already know. Head on over to runandtellthat.co slash work with me. You can sign up and you can see if this is a right fit. And I can help you with that as well. Listen, don't let the in real life events scare you. I'm not here to scare you, but I wanted to activate you and help you think about some different angles to think about this, some ways to fund it, and, you know, just get the best. Get the best experience out of it. It can be really fun planning these things, but there are some really clear project planning (laughs) milestones and funding that goes into this and a lot of help, and a timeline is very, very necessary. And so I just wanted to share that with you because you may feel like, oh my God, I see in real live events happening everywhere. I want to go to them. I want to create one. I think I can do it better. And you probably can and you probably will. But just know that you need a lot more time, a lot more money and a lot more intention than you think you do. And we're always here happy to help. Have a great day. I can't wait to see more in real life person events. I can't wait to meet y'all in some in real life person events. I have to like really plan my next probably Q4, Q1, if there's anything going on, maybe Q1 for me, because it's around the holidays that I can join, right? Oh, I didn't even mention this, and this is so random, and I know this is the end of the episode, but 
Listen, I don't know why they do it. I think they do it around this time because it's the school and people have to finish their budgets. But I would love me, especially if it's small and intimate, I would much rather do it when school's out because I can leave <laughs> my children and child with someone and I can have someone like more people are inclined to take vacation around that time. Also in like the November, December area because the kids are out. But it's the holidays, so it's a little tricky. This is why you need to talk to your people and see where they at and their stage of life and business and mindset so you can plan an event that people actually show up to. (laughs) All right, I'm off my soapbox. Have a great day, and I'll see you guys on the next episode of Best Regards. Bye.